I, uh, I approach this, uh, this sermon with a real sense of trepidation for a whole host of reasons. Um, not least because one of the things I'm, I'm going to say is that the Song of Songs has been really badly handled over the years. Um, and uh, I, I think folk have been afraid of it. And yet, as I think about myself, yes, I'm afraid of it. And I fear that I might handle it badly. So as we come to look at the first couple of chapters of the song, shall we pray together? Let's pray. Father, we come to look at, at a book that uh, we don't look at very often. But we come to think about a subject that really isn't often very far from our minds, for most of us. So we pray that you might speak with unnerving clarity in the way that each of us need to hear you speaking. May we hear you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read from the uh, first chapter, the first few verses uh, of the chapter, okay? Okay, Song of Songs. Now, can I just say a bit about the title? The title, the proper title is Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And the term Song of Songs, the structure of those little three words may be familiar to you. They may be particularly familiar from the book of Exodus, from the Old Testament. But, well, okay, let me ask you. Any other little phrases that sound like Song of Songs? Lord of Lords? King of Kings? Any more? Think Tabernacle, Temple, Holy of Holies. You've got Holy of Holies, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. And each of those three is saying, this is the most holy place. This is the Lord who is above all else. This is the king before whom all, all other kings kneel. And notice they're all centered on God. Interesting, isn't it? So when this title is given to this book, is it saying this is the song that's above all other songs? Because what it's singing about is actually centered in who God is himself worth thinking about. Solomon's Song of Songs. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let's hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. We rejoice and delight in you. We praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. Dark am I, but lovely, daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me, and they made me take care of the vineyards, and my own vineyard I had to neglect. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock, and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? If you don't know most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep. 
and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved, my beloved is, my beloved is to me a sash. No, I can't go on. I can't read the second bit of that. I just can't. Just won't work in church, will it? Really? Now be honest, will it? There's no reason why not, is there? My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. Oh, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. How handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. I mean, our... I'm not going there in church either. No, I can't really. there. Oh, how handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars. Our rafters are firs. Hi. What do you do with that? It's a love song, isn't it? That, that's the first thing we have to say. It simply is a love song. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, I'm going to say at the end that it is a love song, but it points us in a certain direction. But it can't point us in a certain direction unless it really is a love song. So, Karen asked earlier in, in the week, Drew, what songs would you like us to, to sing? And she'd sent me a list of songs, which are the ones we sang tonight, which were grand. Great. I said, no, run with those. Although, I did think of a couple of others that I thought we might sing. Here's, here's one of them. Hand up as soon as you recognize it. Yeah, okay, that'll, that'll do. Why that one? It's getting really warm in here. If, if you ask Anne, it's our song. I'll stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't play it. No, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. So I thought of a couple of others. Now, again, let me see your hand as soon as you recognize any of these. Yep. 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 No. Okay, th that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. You, you. Nelson Eddy and Jeanette MacDonald from the film Rosemary. Yep. Okay, that, that, that's one. Now, see if you can tell me why these three songs work. That's one. Here's a second one.
Where are all the old rockers then? Okay, that, that'll, that'll do, that'll do. And that was who? Meatloaf. Do you guys know nothing about classical music? <laughs> this is disturbing, I have to say. Disturbing. Anybody see a connection between Nelson Eddy and Jeanette MacDonald? Meatloaf? No? <laughs> I thought it was obvious. Well, let, let's go for the last one and see. <laughs> it's a bit more hopeful, yes. We'll, we'll listen to this a little bit longer. Why this one? I'm with you, girls. Anybody tell me why, why I chose that one in particular and the others as well? That's, it's the format. Excellent. Exactly, that's right. It's the format. In, in the first ones, it was the man and the woman singing to each other. Okay? But that last one in particular has exactly the same format as the Song of Songs. You've got the woman who starts singing and the man who sings with her, but you also have this chorus in the background of the friends who come along and make their contribution. And that's what's going on in the Song of Songs. You've got a man and a woman singing to each other and the friends coming in. Now, in the pew Bibles that, that you have, I think you, you have that uh, marked, don't you? Yeah? And in most contemporary Bibles, you'll find it marked. But what you'll also find is that the divisions between the sections of, of who's singing aren't always the same, because it's, it's hard to, to, to get who's singing at any particular time, and there are judgment calls to be made. But certainly there's this duet going on with the friends coming in in the background. I'd also thought of having this as a sermon title, because in a sense... It's his. No, it's not the mechanics. But there is something deeply at the heart of this book that says there's something special about this human activity. It's a love song. Yeah? And because it's a love song, there are certain consequences to that. Because it's a love song, you can't analyze it terribly well. You can't take it apart verse by verse or word by word. And uh, I mean, do what Sam did, did this morning, say, here's the importance of this word. That, that's rarely of much value in a book like this. It's a book that you read. It's a book that you allow, uh, allow the images, in which you allow the images to speak to you. And don't look for neat, calm, logical coherence. Well, in that sense, it's rather like when courting, a courting couple or a husband and wife talk to each other. Often it just doesn't make sense. Except in the context of the conversation itself. 
And in the context of the conversation, it's the tone of voice. It's choosing that word rather than that word. It's expressing something gently rather than forcefully. It's all of those things that speak. And so the song, I think, is, is to be sung. It's to be rejoiced in. We look at the pictures. Not take apart a, a, every word. Okay. Well, I, I, in, in some senses, I suppose I have the easy task tonight because I'm, I'm speaking first on it. So I get to do things like introduce you to the, uh, the people. And so let, let's do that just now. Let's think about who these people are. Who's involved in the song? Um, the various versions use different words. I think in NIV, NIV you have she and he, yeah, and the friends. And you have that in the ESV as well. If you've got a good news Bible or the message, it's the woman and the man and the friends. In the living Bible, you've just got the girl and the boy. In the RSV, I think you've got the bride and the groom. And all of these are fine. I wouldn't, wouldn't argue with any of them. Well, what do we know about the girl? We come to the girl first simply because she sings first. And so the first information we have is about her. In fact, she sings more than the man. She, she has a lot more to contribute. The man's relatively silent. No change there, gentlemen, I think. <laughs> Fair enough, isn't it? What she has to say in her opening song, or really the opening two songs, I think tells us quite a, quite a bit about her. The first thing that, that she says there is, I am just infatuated with you. I think you're absolutely fantastic. Now, I'm not going to quote a lot from the, the verses, so I'll be depending on you looking at them yourselves just to see what I'm saying. Some of the things that, that she says are just, just wonderful. Your love is more delightful than wine. Into the second uh, of her songs, where she tells us a bit about herself. Now, it took me a while to find a, a picture to illustrate this. And I have to say, I have relatively few pictures tonight. I'll be honest, I was simply too scared to look for too many pictures. <laughs> I really was. Um, and I, I thought, yeah, I, I look for um, dark-skinned, young woman, beautiful. And uh, that was one of the pictures. And I put in another word that's actually very important here. And it was when I put in, sorry, I, I, I told a lie there. When I put in this, this next word, this is one of the pictures that came up. I put in the word poor because it's clear from what she's writing here in her first song that she comes from a poor background. Now, not abject poverty, but certainly she's from a poor background. And we know that because of what she says about herself. She says in verse 6, don't stare at me. She comes up to Jerusalem. She meets all these sophisticated women in Jerusalem. And she says, don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. Well, why would you not want to have a healthy tan? It's very simple. Throughout history, uh, a woman whose skin was tan was someone who was out in the sun. 
And if you're out in the sun, you're doing manual labor. You're out in the fields working or you're out tending sheep or, or whatever. But if you have light skin, if your skin is not tanned by the sun, then you're inside most of the day. And that says you're probably wealthy. So light-colored skin is a sign of sophistication and wealth. Dark-colored skin is not a healthy tan. It says you're not quite our type. You are, you know, not one you would mix with. So clearly she's saying here, I'm from a poor background. Also from a poor background where she wasn't well respected. Should have been the fellows looking after the goats. Should have been the, son, the, the sons who were doing, uh, doing this. They should have been guarding their little sister or their sister. We, we don't know whether she was a little sister or not. But no, my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. In other words, you have vineyards uh, coming through uh, the, the song quite frequently. And that really means myself, my person, who I am. Sometimes it's used sexually, sometimes not. Here, it just means my own things. My brothers had me running after them, looking after them, so I just didn't have time to look after myself. Not uncommon in the ancient world, not uncommon in many societies. So this young woman is poor, but she's gorgeous. She is a very beautiful young woman. Well, what about the man? I, I, think, I wondered how I was going to, to illustrate the man. And really, there was only one picture, I suppose, in the contemporary world that, that would illustrate it. Now, he's taken, for the time being, I suppose, <laughs> me, cynical, never. Um, he's taken now, but imagine, you know, go back a while when he was still single. Was there anybody more eligible? He just had everything. He had position. He had stunning good looks, or so I'm told. He had charm, elegance. Wasn't always clever about the friends that he kept or the parties that he went to. But he was way up there. And that's the sort of person we're talking about here. The man is referred to as a king. And uh, th that's the, the running picture. But also he's referred to as, if you like, a, a large Land, Ro Land Rover. <laughs> he would have driven a large Land Rover if he had had them at the time. <laughs> a large landowner. <laughs> because we, uh, in uh, uh, part of the section that we read, uh, verse Eight, sorry, verse, verse 7, um, we, we read of him having, having flocks, and so he's a landowner, he's a, a farmer, he's a king, and all of this goes together to say, he's way up there, she's way down here. Now, you put that dynamic together in ancient society, and what have you got? In ancient society, and let's be honest, in society today, You've got a situation in which you have power and vulnerability. And power and vulnerability coming together will often lead to abuse of one sort or another. In fact, 
human beings but being what they are, it almost inevitably does. Now, I wouldn't want to take that too far. But if this young man, with all his power, had come across this young woman in all her vulnerability and had wanted her, it wasn't going to be terribly difficult. He would either have gone and got her himself, or he'd have got a few of the servants together and said, I want her. Tonight. And she would have been his. And nobody could have done anything about it. So the fact that we have this love song at all is saying there's something very special about this young man. He's a young man of honor. He's a young man who's different from all of his, well, most of his peers anyway. He is someone to be respected. And he's gorgeous as well, of course. Well, what about the third? Um, well, the, the group of singers, the, the friends. Well, the friends are there, and we find them in the second half of verse 4 and in verse 8. What do they say? Well, verse 4, you are right. He is gorgeous, isn't he? Now, we know that because um, the word you there is masculine singular. It's talking to, to a man, or they're singing to the man. They're not singing to the girl here. It's, it's, a, it's a masculine um, pronoun. So we rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. So they, they look as though they've got some insight, don't they? They're saying some good things here. This is a worthy young man. And we'll come to, to what they say in, uh, in their next uh, song in, in verse 6 later on. So we've got a woman who's down at the bottom. We've got a man who's at the top. And we've got friends who are saying, hmm, seem to be saying good things at the minute. Now, can we pause there just for a second, quietly? Anything about that that's starting to lead to a different place? It's starting to say, there's more to this than meets the eye. It's maybe starting to say, actually, Advent isn't a bad time to be looking at this. It's starting to say, this is pointing beyond itself. Hmm? Yes? Yeah? Okay, let's move on then. Then, oh goodness, sorry, let, let me rush through this. this. This is a love song. So just a quick, quick couple of comments on it, on it as a love song. It is, there's no other way of putting it. Um, oh, sorry, I should have had the friends there. Uh, I, I chose four girls for that because they... Uh, mostly they're the girls' friends. There are a couple of bits near the end where they think it might be the man's friends, but generally it's, it's the girls' friend, friends. It's a love song, and you've got to use words like that, that again, we don't often use in church, but it's, it's simply true. It's, there are sexual bits to it. There are erotic bits to it. There are romantic bits to it. They're all there. But yet the very fact that this book is in the Bible is starting to say something to us. It's starting to say to us that love is a good thing. Sexual love is a good thing. It's not of itself dirty or debased or ugly or destructive or abusive or, or any of these things. Of itself, it is a good thing. 
You can even look at this song as a celebration, a celebration of sexual love. And we want to say quite, quite plainly, fair enough. How great is the tragedy where we have taken as human beings sexual love and done such awful things with it. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful things with it. When it ought to be something really beautiful. Um, so I, I realize time is going on. I, I was going to take you through some examples of um, little phrases that occur that demonstrate very clearly that um, this is erotic poetry. Let me just give you one or two, and I can give you, give you some more if, if you want. I've already mentioned a, a couple of them. In verse 16 of chapter 1, the reference to the bed there is not as a place for sleeping. Oh, I, I had to smile one time when, it, when someone said, you know, Drew, there are two things that bed is for. Clearly, sleeping and reading. <laughs> I wanted that a third, having your breakfast on your day off. But uh, no. here it's, it's quite, quite, quite obviously something else. Uh, if, also, if you look at um, chapter 2, verses 3 to 5, you've got imagery there of apple trees and fruit you've got raisins and so on uh, and so on. And you find that imagery comes up a number of times uh, throughout the book. You also have imagery of grazing, uh, a gazelle or a stag grazing. And commentators are all agreed that this, this, this is just subtle sexual imagery that can be uh, interpreted uh, quite clearly like that. And then just after, after those in, in verse 6, of chapter 2, you have something, again, that, that clearly is, is sexual, uh, very clearly so, uh, in that context. So, oh, sorry, one more. Let me give you one more. It's chapter 2, verse 15. I mentioned chapter 2, verse 15, because we have to say that some of the imagery is entirely lost on us, and we have to accept that. And if you hear a sermon interpreting the little foxes as being something subtly spiritual, I think it's probably not going to be accurate. We have to say it meant something in its day. If we can get a sense of something, well and good, but let's not push it too far. Okay. So if the first thing I'm saying is that this book is clearly saying sexual love is a good thing, there's a verse in chapter 2 that's repeated a couple of times throughout the book. It's twice uh, later on in the book. And because it's repeated three times, or it's mentioned three times, it's obviously a key verse. And it's a key verse that I want to, to think about just for a second. It's chapter 2, verse 7. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and does of the field, do not arouse or waken love until it so desires. Now, the way of translating that into English is always going to be clumsy. But the sense of it's clear. The sense of it is very straightforward. Self-control is really important when we're thinking of sex, sexual love, and romantic love. Self-control is absolutely central. 
And so they're saying there, be careful, because in all that you do, there's the opportunity for you to awaken sensual desires or not. Be very, very careful about awakening sexual desires before you're ready to cope with them. Be very careful of awakening sexual desires in a context where they are not appropriate and you may find self-control very difficult. I, worth thinking at this point, by the way, just in passing, when we talk of self-control here, if, if each, of these, each of us is taking this to ourselves, I suppose I should have said at the start of the sermon, really, I have the young people mostly in mind here, although not entirely, not entirely, but young folks, this is really largely for you. When you think of, of sexuality and self-control, very often we think, um, now be careful, make sure you're self-controlled, don't do anything that'll, that'll loosen your self-control. There's another side to that as well, because I want to say to, to the young people and to every, everyone else, it's not just your self-control that's important. It's important that what you do does not impinge on someone else's self-control. That what you're doing is not making it harder for someone else to be controlled in their sexuality. That is important. So I have a responsibility for myself and I have a responsibility for other people. Can I do something naughty now? Okay. I want you to think of some advice that you would give to young people, uh, some practical advice about maintaining self-control. All right? Now, can we get half a dozen pieces of advice that you would give to the young people or that you would give to your younger self or that you would give to anyone about maintaining self-control? I'm thinking pure practical advice. Okay? Now, can I give you a minute to think about that? And then I am. I'm looking for half a dozen answers because this is a problem for me. No, no, no. I'm looking for half a dozen answers. Well, I'm looking for half a dozen answers because none of us can come to a place where we say it's never going to be a problem. Okay? Just to, to remember that. It's not just for young people. Let me give you a first one. Okay? Be careful what movies you watch because some will give you and uh, uh, will teach you things about sex that are just wrong, that are destructive, okay? There's a piece of advice number one. Give you a minute. Feel free to chat to each other for just one minute and see if you can come up with five more pieces of advice that you would give to young people that will help them to maintain self-control, okay? You've got one minute. Okay, right, 
Anybody give me a piece of advice? Location. Here in somebody's bedroom. Okay. Location, location, location. Watch where you go. Simple as that. Yeah, students especially. Yeah, you've only got your, your little student bedroom and there's only one chair. Well, stand, okay? <laughs> so location, watch where you go. Any others? Be, be careful with alcohol. Alcohol lowers your ability to think properly. Uh, it, um, yeah, it just is obviously dangerous. Good, second. There was one from down here somewhere. Yes, be careful who you're going with. Yeah? We've mentioned the friends. We'll come to the friends in just a minute to illustrate that. Yeah? Any more? Cultivate relationships in groups, not just as two. There is safety in numbers. There is. Yep. Any more? Be confident to say no. Yes. Be confident to say no. Now, I think there probably is a gender or uh, difference between the, the, the sexes here. And it's important to, to say to, to the men, to young men, no means no. It is pure, simple, no means Oh, well, maybe. No, it doesn't. No means no. Okay. One more. Assume that you will be tempted and then the good news, but not beyond what God can give you the strength to control. It is not incontrollable, uncontrollable. Okay. So one more on this side now. Okay, let's, let's come on to that in, in just now in, in terms of web browsing. Okay, Th there, there's a lot of things. That's the, the advice I was looking for. Be careful. There's, there's one more just, just in passing. Be careful how you dress. As the father of, of, of um, daughters, I rather like that as a way of dressing. Okay? <laughs> that, that works for me. <laughs> yeah, it works, doesn't it? Yeah, except out of the zips up to the neck and the padlock on it. Yep. It's simple. It's sim it is simple. And if we had more time, I could talk a lot more about that. Then to, to come to the one that, that Adam mentioned. On your phone, tablet, laptop, any electronic device that you have. Um, TV these days, of course, as well. Make sure that you're accountable for your web browsing. That's Covenant Eyes. It's the one that, that I have. It's the one that I commend to all of my students to have on all of their electronic devices. And all it does is, Susan down at the back there, yep, every website I visit, at the end of every week, Susan gets a note that says Drew was on these websites. I started a lot of years ago, uh, Alistair uh, Giffen was my accountability partner. It's transformative if I can recommend it to you. So be accountable for your web, uh, your use of the internet. Be careful about your friends. Can you just come back to, to um, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 for a minute. How do you read this? There are two ways in which you can read this. She has just said, do I have to go and follow the 
follow um, uh, this man to, to, to where his sheep graze, because I don't know where they are. Now, what do her friends say? If you don't know, most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. What's she, what are they saying there? There are different ways of, of interpreting it, but I wonder if they're saying, if you can't find him, there are plenty of other fish in the sea or there are plenty of other shepherds in the field. That's not smart advice. So the text is saying to us, be careful about your friends. Make sure your friends will give you good support, good counsel. Do be accountable to your friends. Do talk openly with each other. Be careful about your friends, and that's just another opportunity to talk about your internet friends. The advertisers who want to sell you stuff, the people who want to make sure that you're watching their videos, the YouTubers. I don't get this. I really don't get it. How YouTube is full of people doing absolutely nothing but have millions of people watching them. I don't get it at all. But I do understand that the nothing that many of them are doing isn't particularly great nothing. So be careful about your, your friends. So then, just to, to finish, what does the text tell us? How does this song begin to move us towards thinking about Jesus? It's a love song between a king and a peasant girl. Yeah? Yeah. This is telling us there's something, something beyond itself. This love that has this special quality, this love that has a beauty to it, this love that's unexpected in the social context in which it arises, is pointing to a love beyond itself. Because the king in this is pretty special. Very special. And not only is he a king, but he's a passionately committed lover. Again, just read his, his speeches at your leisure and you'll see it. He is passionate. The beauty of the poetry, the openness of, of, of his sexual expression shows the depth of his passion. That's pointing us towards a king who passionately loves. Now, I'll just assume that you're moving on from a sexual passion to recognize that and the passion is much bigger than that. But here's a king who loves passionately. The lost one. The one who's been abused. The one who only knows what it is that is to be, to be told. Get out and do the chores. The one who nobody else cares about. The one who mothers look down their nose at. The king is passionately committed to her. And the king says, come. Come to my banqueting table. It's in there. Have a look. You'll see it there. Come to my banquet hall. Chapter 2, verse 4. Come to my banqueting hall. 
Come and eat with me. Yeah? See it? And that's why, as Frank reminded me this morning, the uh, ancient people of Israel had one of the books of wisdom, one of the five books of wisdom associated with each of their annual feasts. And the Passover is this one. The king who says, come, eat with me. Appropriate, isn't it? Doesn't it make sense? Yeah? Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we thank you for this book. Thank you for all the twists and turns that we're going to see over the next couple of weeks. The things that are confusing, the things that aren't quite clear to us, the things that are just glorious in their open majesty. Thank you for this love story. Thank you for all that it affirms. Thank you for all that it warns us about. Thank you for all that it points us to with its hints and indications of your glory and your love for us. Thank you. And so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all.